From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Hey everybody, it's the Snakes and Lattes podcast, or the Snakes cast as we're calling it. My name's Jonathan Moriarty, I'm one of the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes. With me are my colleagues Steve Tassi. Hello. And Nicole Hoy. Hiya. And today we're going to talk about something that we get a lot of requests for at the cafe. Games that are mean. Games that make the other players cry. We want something... We want something. <laughs> so many times I get somebody saying, okay, we, we want something at scale where we get to backstab each other. You know, that's, that's a really common request. And uh, the thing is, though, that how can a game be mean? I mean, it's a bunch of things in a box. It's cardboard. It's wood. It's it's plastic. How can that possibly be mean? Well, it's what it brings out in the players. Yeah. It really is. But what makes a game mean? Why are some games mean and some games not mean? That's what we're going to talk about here. But uh, before we get on to that, uh, do you guys like mean games? How do you feel about uh, games where you're, where you're cruel and nasty to the other players? I like them. I like the opportunity to be a dick. Because <laughs> in, in the real world, if you're a dick, well, there are consequences. We hope. We hope, anyway. If you play with your spouse, I imagine there might be consequences in game land, too. I mean, yes. You do have a couch, right, Steve? Yes. But in a game, uh, as, long as, as long as everyone's on the same page, in a game, there are no consequences. Because once the game's over, all is forgiven. The game's done. You move on to the next game, and maybe it's co-op. Maybe it's you know a, a more mellow game. But while you're in that game where you can just be a real jerk, that to me there's, there's a lot of fun in that. Just sort of a release. Yeah, absolutely. It's cathartic. I'm not so keen on it, personally. Uh, I I prefer to have a balance of people doing well and people not doing so well in games and for everybody to have a chance to uh, have a little bit of victory and also get taken down a peg so where there is a point where there's one person getting kind of picked on or there's one person who's just going out of their way to dick everybody over I'm not so keen on it and it doesn't really mean that the game itself is mean it's just like you said Steve it will bring out the worst in people and it just depends then on I guess the kind of the kind of people you're playing with well, are there any particular games that you've found have sort of changed the, uh, uh, the, the character of people who you've played games with? For people who would ordinarily be one way that's, and, and they play a certain game and suddenly oh, yeah. you don't recognize them anymore? Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's people that I've gamed with, with a bunch, and it'll be a game maybe I've not played with them before, and they'll just run rampant. <laughs> what, what are some games where you've seen that happen? Um, Nexus Ops was for sure one where I've had... Uh, people kind of not gang up on me deliberately I suppose but just being I've just been the butt of everybody's actions and, I, and it's just been a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> Nexus Ops is a game where you've got uh, an alien planet you've got uh, these cool little figures and you're running around fighting each other. Again it's sort of a risk style thing but it uh, doesn't take nearly as long to play and uh, it's got all these weird little alien powers and secret missions you're trying to do to score uh, victory points. And uh, one of the things that's interesting I find about Nexus Ops is that because of the fact that you don't try to win the game, you don't necessarily have to wipe anybody else out, you just have to score more points. Yeah. And uh, so in a way, that makes it less mean. But in another way, if your uh, troops are spread thin, 
that means that the easiest way for everybody else to score points is to attack you. Yeah. So it does tend to lead to that sort of uh, nail that sticks you're, up. You're in my way, down. boom. You're in my way, boom. So, yeah, I mean, in that aspect, uh, it's been tough. And I find sometimes games that are heavy on negotiation can be can be tough. Oh, yeah. People can kind of go over the top with, uh, with something where they would normally not have that kind of personality while they're gaming. I have friends who I just cannot play Model of Horror with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Too personal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I, when I stab you in the back, I'll do it to your face. Um, what do you but, mean you want me to die? But they, You're going to throw me to the zombies? Exactly. There, there are people, there are friends I have who just, they, they cannot take being betrayed. Uh, the archetypal game for that, of course, is Diplomacy yeah. by Alan Kalheimer, published back in the 60s. Uh, this is a cultural icon. It's a game that's played ideally with seven players. It's just before World War I. Uh, you've got seven players, England, France, Germany, Austria-Hungary, uh, Italy, Russia, and Turkey. And you are just duking it out. There are no dice in this game, no cards, no random elements of any kind, just negotiation. So when you lose this game, it's not because you got a bad dice roll. It's not because you drew crappy cards. There are no cards, there are no dice. It's because that guy right there promised he was going to support you and he stabbed you in the heart. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's in some ways the meanest possible game because it's only decided by player interaction. That's tough. There's nothing else. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's one of the things that, um, that, that, that meanness has to arise from is interactivity. Yeah. It's not possible to be mean to somebody in Yahtzee. Because mm -hmm. in Yahtzee, I'm playing my game over here and you're playing your game over there. There's no interactivity at all. Uh, similarly, uh, a, lo a lot of games that are very heavily skill-based, like, say, Scrabble, um, it's not really possible to do a lot of interaction there. You can, you know, you can try and stop yourself and get into the triple word. But one of the things that also is kind of a, uh, a, a bit of a paradox in this is that if a game has a lot of interactivity, if it's a mean game, that makes it possible for weaker players to gang up on stronger players and give themselves a chance to win. If it's a game where there's not so much interactivity, this is the best player almost always wins. So, in some ways, meanness can actually result in fairness. <laughs> the number of times I have heard the phrase, Secret Alliance Against Steve, <laughs> when I'm playing with my friends. Well, they, do your friends know you to be a particularly skillful player in, in your group? Um, I guess so. Or they, they just they, like watching you squirm. They think of me as a particularly skillful player. I'm not going to go so far as to say that I am, <laughs> but I think the fact that I'm a published game designer, uh, yeah, that's going to give you some mistakes. I'm usually the one uh, that is the one who learned the rules and taught everyone else how to play the game. That tends to make people think that I'm possibly better than I might actually be. Right. Um, but... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's all in good fun. So, they, you guys out there, you have my permission to have as many secret alliances against me as you, you just have to tell me about them. I, I've, I've experienced the same kind of thing as well, where, you know, friends of mine who are like far more regular gamers than anybody I know will just be better at certain types of games and will be a runaway leader. And then there is like in, in some kinds of games where you can almost gang up on the person who's coming first. Um, there will be that aspect of uh, meanness from the rest of the players to whoever's doing best. Um, I don't think that's the fault of any game in particular. It's just like somebody clearly winning. We must take them down. Any game that gives you the opportunity to um, steal territory or possession or placement or whatever it is. Or roll back something yeah. that somebody's yeah. achieved from someone. Earlier in the game. It's a mean yeah. game. Some of my favorites, um, Manhattan, 
Oh, yes. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, 94 is Game of the Year winner. Uh, competitive skyscraper building. You can steal other people's buildings. Great fun. Love it. Uh, it's so simple, too. Very simple, very easy to learn, great for four people. Uh, next time you're in the cafe, I will teach it to you. Anyone out there, I love that game. Another one is Santiago. Oh, so vicious. A little more complex in, in its rules, um, but uh, such great opportunity for Dickory. Uh, I, I love it. In fact, that's the game I would say that the most often what's going through my head on any given turn is what move is the jerkiest. Okay, I'll do that move. <laughs> and, and it worked well for me. I, I tend to win that one. Are there any mean games that, uh, that you'll tolerate despite not being a fan of this particular I don't style? mind ones that are very light-hearted with theme, like King of Tokyo. Ah, yes. You know, that, that's fun to be like, aha, my monster is smashing your monsters, yay! It's, it's way more light-hearted. Um, even something like Alien Frontiers where it's like, you know, it's built on taking over territory for points. And sometimes that means that somebody is gonna have their points taken away from them. I still don't mind it so much because it's, it's built into the game as that's how you play kind of thing. It's not like one person getting up on another person. It's just There's like... plenty of blocking other players from doing what they obviously need to do in Alien Frontiers as well. Yeah. And uh, King of Tokyo also does some really interesting sleight of hand as far as the meanest thing is concerned. King of Tokyo is one of the most popular games of Snakes and Lattes. Um, it's giant monsters smashing Tokyo and each other, what's not to love. Um, but it's got this clever mechanic where um, there's, uh, there, there's, there, there's, there, there's a board with one space on it, that's Tokyo. Whoever's in there is the king of the hill at the moment, they're the king of Tokyo. When that person attacks, they hit everybody else. When anybody else attacks, they hit that person. Which means when it's your turn and you roll dice and you make an attack, you are not choosing yes. who to attack. Yes. Yes. You're so it resolved of all responsibility. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel so mean. Exactly. In order for you to hate on somebody, you have to choose to hate. There yeah. have to be at least two possible options, both of which could be helpful to you. And one of them has to be more harmful to somebody else than the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I don't mind so much playing King of Tokyo, especially like when you're the monster in Tokyo. It's like I'm smashing everybody right now, and it's awesome. Smash all the and, and everybody expects it to happen. It's it's part of the game experience. And so games like that, I don't like so much when when it's there's meanness involved because it's lighthearted. And mentioning theme, I think that also uh, is a way of either blunting or, uh, or, or or making appropriate the meanness in a game. Take the Game of Thrones board game, for example. Uh, there is a theme that simply could not be done without intense cruelty to the other players. Uh, I mentioned diplomacy earlier. Game of Thrones is, a, is very similar to diplomacy in a lot of ways, but with more stuff. Uh, obviously, it needs to be very broke and complicated, otherwise it also wouldn't be a Game of Thrones game. Um, and, but uh, but that, that, in a way, helps to blunt it, because of course the Lannisters are going to mess you over that way. Um, another one that, uh, that uses theme as a way of kind of uh, mitigating the meanness in it is chaos in the old world. I was thinking that uh, was now, yeah. It's a game where the players are the gods of chaos and you are destroying the world. And it's so over the top, evil and horrifying and vile that it just wraps right around to being hilarious. Yeah. There's, no, there's no good guys there. There's, no. there's none of that. Everybody's horrible. You know, you're playing the god of filth and disease, okay? Somebody else is playing the god of bloodshed and slaughter. Yeah. You know, There's no meadows and lambs and rainbows there. It's exactly. I'm a god of puppies. <laughs> <laughs> and 
it's, in a way, it's like King of Tokyo because uh, it, it takes away the choice to be. Uh, you, you, there is no choice to be nice in that game, yeah. so it doesn't feel as bad when you do terrible things. Yeah, so it can be it can be really fun and and, and challenging and strategic. But there's no like, uh, well, you know, all those guys, they're not doing so bad to me. You're picking on me, I'm gonna pick on you kind of thing. Steve, do you think you get the same kind of catharsis in your experience with those kinds of games as you do with games like Mall of Horror where, uh, or Cosmic Encounter where you really do have the option? Yeah, I, th I think so. Possibly even more because it goes beyond there being the option to um, explicit permission uh, to be that nasty. Like, when, when there is no choice, when you have to be nasty, um, you can revel in that. It's the same as being an actor and getting to play the villain, right? When, when you right. get, when you get the opportunity to play the Hans Grubers of the world, <laughs> oh, then, goodness. you know, you dive right in. And I think the same case with, uh, with games like that. Um, I have I have a story I want to share about right. Frag, the uh, the first oh, person yeah. shooter from Steve, Steve Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, so I, I brought that game home, learned how to play it, convinced my wife to play with me. We spent the first I don't know ten minutes of the game just designing our characters, getting the board set up, moving around, picking up the power ups, and getting other stuff, and then finally I had line of sight on her, and so I shot her because well that's what you're supposed to do and. She just had the most kicked puppy dog look on her face. She's just, why are you doing that? Are you playing two players? Yes, it was just There's the no two other us. target in the ring. It's just, <laughs> I think she may have completely missed the point of the game. I suspect uh, But uh, that's a game that never gets played around the house anymore. <laughs> Well, I just played uh, Claustrophobia last night uh, with yes. Adam. And, the Dungeon uh, Crawler, that's uh, that's the one where you know, uh, the church has decided to start colonizing hell and you've got all these demons in there. Yeah. Uh, so, it's like a fantastic game. Uh, I, I, I played the good guys, he played the bad guys, and I really struggled to get to my goal, but in the end, I made it. So, like, and there, there's no meanness there, it's basically just you do what you can given your, your dice rolls and your abilities to get to what you need to do and I, I like that it's just a two-player game. Yeah, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't feel quite as, uh, like, you're not, like, like you're picking on a specific Absolutely. person. Absolutely, it's case. just like, okay, we're, we're playing a puzzle almost. It's like, you know, I'm the good guys, you're the bad guys, and, and that's it, and there's no meanness involved, despite the theme and good guys versus bad guys. So I, I like that aspect of it. Well, so there you have it, folks. Meanness is a thing that is a fair bit more versatile than you might expect. Uh, obviously, everybody finds their own taste in these kinds of games, but we hope that uh, this little show has given you an idea of where you'll find your comfort zone and what degree of cruelty you are willing to inflict on your fellow players. Yes, next time you're in the cafe, don't be surprised if I ask you, how much of a jerk do you want to be to your friends? <laughs> it's, it's a question that we do ask a lot, and it's an important question. But uh, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll see you there soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Jonathan Moriarty, Steve Tassi, Cole Horn. Game on. Thanks. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakescast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.